0: Welcome back to the Foul Balls podcast for February 13th, 2018. Six-game slate, just two slates left before the All-Star break. And then, I guess we don't really have any plans for the All-Star break, so we'll probably be off for a little bit. Uh, But for tomorrow's slate, uh, first game is the Miami Heat at the Toronto Raptors. Uh, This is a pretty uninteresting game. These are two of the better defenses in the uh, the Eastern Conference. Toronto is currently where they are. They're third in the league in defensive efficiency. Miami is eighth in the league in defensive efficiency. Miami also plays at one of the slower paces in the Eastern Conference. So from the Miami side of the game, I don't really think that there's any value here. And the other issue also is that with Dwayne Wade now in the mix, it's just another mouth to feed. He takes up a lot of usage. He isn't particularly good. He is also going to take some minutes away from guys like Tyler Johnson and Wayne Ellington. So I think the Miami Heat are just to stay away from me on this. And then from the Raptors' side of the game, uh, Kyle Lowry is pretty inexpensive. at 7,200, but it's a really tough matchup. If I had to roster one guy in Toronto, it would be Lowry, but I don't really think he's a particularly strong player or anybody here. Lowry would just be a GPP play, maybe worth some light of, uh, amount of exposure.
1: Yeah, I think this game is a pretty easy fade. It's got a 206.5 over-under, which doesn't seem that low, but it's just it's a lot of players who are sharing a lot of minutes, especially on the Heat side, like you said, with Wade there. Uh, Drogic is at 6,400. I think he could be popular because of how cheap that is compared to what he's been recently and kind of just what he's been all season. But with Wade there, I think it makes it a lot harder for him. Um, tough matchup, too. So I, I think it might just be easy to use no players from this game. Lowry makes a little bit of sense, and maybe you can roster Jonas Valanciunas at 6,100 and hope that this is the game where he actually plays fourth quarter minutes because the Heat do have some size, so Valanciunas might be needed a little bit more than usual to play in the second half. Maybe that's just a GPP flyer to have a little bit of exposure to, but other than that, I don't really think there's much to look at. Uh, I'm just looking for Serge Ibaka's price, though, because I know he's gotten really cheap. Uh, he's at 5,000, probably just kind of fair. Maybe there's a little val- little bit of value, so I don't know. I'd, if I'm rostering Lowry, I'd maybe pair him with either Ibaka or Valanchunas.
0: All right, next game on the slate. I think the people might want to go here just because it's a really high 222 over under, but also not really a particularly good spot. The Timberwolves struggled on defense to start the season. They're actually they're still only a 24th in defensive efficiency. I thought they were a little better than that. They were like last in the league for the first month or so. From the Houston side of the game, I think Chris Paul and James Harden are both okay options to pay up for, but neither of them also particularly strong plays. I don't think. From Miami side, of, uh, from the Minnesota side of the game, not Miami. I'm not wearing my glasses. I just saw the, the <laughs> MI at the beginning. Almost uh, the same letters. Yeah, exactly. Two of the same. So I don't know what can you do? Uh, Oh, we got Jimmy Butler, 9,300. Carl Anthony Towns, 92. This is a lot of also just really fair pricing to me. Uh, there's nobody who I really think is a good play from the Timberwolves side either.
1: Yeah, and I think this game will have a lot of popularity because Butler has been really good recently. Um, aside from last game, sort of, uh, Towns was really good last game against the Kings. And like you said, the over-under is really high. I think it should be the highest total on the slate. There's a couple of games that we don't have Vegas lines for. Uh, OKC okay, Cleveland will probably be higher, but... This should be the second highest total, and I think a lot of people will gravitate towards it. Um, But, yeah, the pricing just makes it hard. The Rockets have everyone basically healthy at this point. I think everyone except for Trevor Ariza is back. So I think you could maybe use some of Paul or Harden, uh, especially if there's a lot of value that opens up and you need multiple guys to pay up for I don't really think that'll be the case, though. So it might just be easy enough to stay away from this game, too. And I think we'll get to a couple other games that make for better stack spots and have more uh, better individual value also.
0: Well, some significant injury news in the next game is Cleveland at OKC. So for the Thunder, Russell Westbrook and Carl Anthony are both still listed as questionable. They've both missed the last couple of games. Uh, so I was just looking this up before the... Thunder held a non-contact practice today. I don't really know exactly what that means, because when is there really contact? It's not football. Like When is there full contact in a basketball practice? I don't know. Whatever there
1: was, was. Uh, some physicality in basketball practices when I was in high school. We used to like have to do wrestling drills, or I don't even remember what it was. There, that we, we were supposed to hit each other on purpose to toughen each other up. I don't know if that goes on in the NBA. I'm going I'm to say probably not.
0: <laughs> well, whatever it was, they held a non-contact practice today. Russell Westbrook and Carmelo Anthony both participated in it. Billy Donovan said that uh, the status for tomorrow's game is uncertain for both of them The plan is for them to go through shoot around and depending on how they feel will determine if they're able to play or not. Hopefully we know before lock this game starts an hour after lock. So I think it's kind of right on the borderline of whether we'll know or not. If he plays, I think Russell Westbrook is pretty clearly the top guy to pay up for might also have a little bit of suppressed ownership because of, him not playing the last couple of games, or people just being concerned about the ankle. I mean, he's just such a superior play to the guys like LeBron or Harden or Paul or Carl Anthony Towns or any of those guys. It would be all Westbrook for me if he plays. The Cleveland Cavaliers are 28th in the league in defensive efficiency. Maybe they get slightly better with the other players there, except I think people are probably going to overreact a little bit to how good the Cavs looked against Boston, think like, oh, the Cavs are really good now. The Cavs are probably better than they were before, but I don't think they're all of a sudden going to go from the 28th-ranked defense to even being close to league average. So, strong spot for the Thunder. From the Cavs' side of the game, uh, there's a lot of fair pricing here. I think the guy I'd be most interested in rostering is George Hill at 4,900. He only played 21 minutes in his first game with the Cavs, but it was also a blowout. So, like, LeBron only played 27 minutes in that game. So if people are going to look at George Hill and say, oh, George Hill's only going to play 21 minutes in the Cavs rotation, we don't really know if that's the case or not because LeBron isn't only playing 27 minutes per game now because they acquired these new players. It was just a blowout last game. So I think that George Hill would be the best play to roster from the Cavs. From the Thunder side, it's Russell Westbrook if he plays. If not, Paul George I think is a really good guy to pay up for at 9900 but Paul George is a fade for me if Westbrook plays.
1: And then uh, Raymond Felton also, if Westbrook is out, is just an right. easy guy to lock into lineups because he is still cheap enough where he almost has to get injured to not hit value at under 5,000 playing 30-plus minutes in a game that, I guess any game could be a blowout, but it's a game that should be reasonably close. Uh, we don't have a Vegas line for the game yet, but assuming that, that uh, Westbrook's in, I think the Thunder probably are small favorites, maybe four or five points. Uh, if Westbrook's out, it should be around a pick game, so definitely not any concern for a blowout there. Uh, Paul George is an interesting case because I think if Westbrook and Mello are both out, he's obviously a good play. He will get LeBron's defense, but I don't think that's that big of a deal. LeBron hasn't been that great as an individual defender this year. And I think the Cavs also have kind of kept him off the other team's best player where he guards the other team's best player for some of the game, maybe the fourth quarter, but doesn't always do that. So I'm not too worried about a matchup for Paul George. I think the Cavs are bad enough defensively that it would be fine to use him if Westbrook and Melo are out. But if we go into lock with Melo ruled out and Westbrook in, then I think George could still be viable for game stacks. And I would use him if, uh, if it's a situation where Melo's out and Westbrook's a game-time decision. So I, I, I'm a little concerned about ownership. Paul George is going to be very popular unless Westbrook is definitively in, and he might be popular anyway. But there's so much upside for him if one or both of those other OKC stars is out. Uh, maybe I shouldn't call Carmelo Anthony a star anymore. But you, you get my point. Uh, Paul George, it could burn you pretty badly if you don't roster him and Westbrook ends up not playing. So that's a situation definitely to keep an eye on. Uh, and then I sort of agree with you on George Hill, but I think there could just be better value at similar a similar price range. So Hill might be someone that I'd only use in game stacks or just marginally otherwise. I think there are going to be a lot of good players to use at roughly the same price.
0: I personally only like Paul George if Westbrook's out. Uh, I mean, Carmelo, uh, like, it is a minor bump for Paul George, Carmelo being out. But it's just such a bigger deal if Westbrook's out.
1: Well, I think Paul George is marginal and game stack only if Melo's out and Westbrook's in. So it's I don't... Just,
0: it's just too expensive for me. It's so much more expensive than he's been the rest of the season.
1: Yeah, the The, the scenario, though, that would be difficult is if Mello is out and Westbrook is still a game-time decision at Locke, what would be your sort of expected exposure to Paul George then? Or would you just not play the slate if we don't have Westbrook news?
0: Well, we're... I don't think there's a situation where we know Anthony and we don't know Westbrook. I think we either know both or we know neither.
1: Yeah, and I guess if both are still game-time decisions at Locke, it makes this slate really difficult to play because if they both end up sitting and you don't have Paul George, you're sort of screwed. And if they both end up playing and you do have Paul George, then that's a pretty terrible value. So I I think it's a really challenging slate if we don't have injury updates on these two guys.
0: Yeah, I agree. And then, I mean, obviously that's out of our our hands, so it's just one of those things where we kind of have to pay attention and hope for the news.
1: If we Uh, really hope hard enough, yeah, maybe we'll get the news. Yeah, if
0: if, if you hope hard enough, then... uh, then, then maybe we know, but probably not. Uh, I don't. I don't think our hopes have any, have any impact on how Westbrook's ankle feels tomorrow. Uh, I do think. I'll just say this: if if we're going into lock and Westbrook is still questionable, I did this the other night also. I would probably build less amount of lineups than usual, and I would still be in on Harden because that's just where I think the most uh, upside would be for ownership.
1: I think I you said Harden. Version. You mean uh, Paul George or?
0: I mean uh, Westbrook.
1: Oh, you're saying you would play Westbrook in some of those lineups and then fade him in the others and use Paul George in the Westbrook fades? Have one or the other in every lineup?
0: No, I think that's what I did the other night and it worked out really well. But for tomorrow, just because of how expensive Paul George is priced, I would be fine with just only playing a small percentage of the volume I usually play and just only putting Westbrook in that lineup. Like It's it's obviously not a risk-averse strategy, but I, I think that that's just the best move Four GPPs tomorrow, if we assume that Westbrook is questionable heading into lock.
1: Right, because he will be low owned if there's no indication that he's playing or not before lock. And if he uh, doesn't. Especially
0: up... because we had this situation just a few days ago and a lot of people got burned by it.
1: Right. I think most people who got burned like we did a few days ago on Westbrook will be very scared to do the same thing again. But I'm with you. I, I think it does make sense to do the same thing again, especially in such a strong matchup.
0: Yeah, obviously not a cash game strategy, but it, it would be the prudent GPP strategy, in my opinion, because that is what offers the most uh, the most upside for what would probably be the least amount of ownership amongst the high-end guys. Uh, so next game on the slate, Atlanta at Milwaukee. I think this is a really good spot for Dwayne Dedman. Uh, Coach Budenholzer says that Dedman is going to be the starting center for the rest of the season. Milwaukee allows the fifth most DraftKings fantasy points to opposing centers. Deadman played a bunch of minutes last game. He played 31 and a half minutes, which I'm pretty uh, – the second most he's played all season in the game against Detroit, finished with 46.75 points. 5,300 is probably just too cheap for him if he's going to be playing close to 30 minutes. So I think he's a strong play. Ursan uh, Ilyasova I think is a pretty good play at 4,500. He ended up playing – was it 28 minutes last game overall as a starter this year playing 26 minutes per game scoring 23 fantasy points so him at 4500 i think there's a decent amount of upside there for that price uh dennis schroeder to me is kind of a fringe play who would make sense for game stacks i'll let matt talk about that more because i kind of took that from him a little bit (laughs) uh from the buck from the buck side of the game um Bledsoe, Middleton, Giannis, I don't think any of them are particularly strong plays individually, but if you're stacking this game, I think it makes sense to play two of Middleton, Bledsoe, Giannis with a combination of Ursan, Dedman, and Schroeder.
1: So there's a couple reasons that I think this game makes for a really interesting stack spot. Uh, I think there will be a lot of ownership on the Rockets-Wolves game. I think that the Cavs will have a lot of ownership. And I think Paul George will have a lot of ownership. Westbrook probably will, too, if uh, he's ruled in sometime before lock where there's enough of a window for people to get him into lineups. So this game makes for an interesting pivot because the Hawks are in a bad matchup. Playing in Milwaukee is not a good matchup. And I think most people will just not use them except for maybe Deadman. But Deadman's a good value regardless. Um, The spread for this game is only seven and a half. And some people might look at that and say it's way too low because the Bucs are just a lot better than the Hawks. But for whatever reason, Milwaukee just hasn't been that good this year. They have good players. I feel like they should win more, but they just don't seem to win all that much. They're sort of just like middle of the road, kind of decent team, and they don't have a lot of blowout wins. Um, So I think the Hawks could stay in the game, and the spread is only 7.5. It's actually trending lower. Uh, It looks like it's going to drop to 7. This is uh, midnight the night before the game. And that's with most of the betting on the bucks. So it looks like this line could go lower. The total for the game is going up too. So maybe even some sharp money on the over. And there's also the boost to Milwaukee with John Henson out. Um, there's a bit of a usage bump to actually every one of the Bucks players just about when Henson doesn't play. Uh, I'm not really sure why that is, because Henson doesn't have that high of a usage rate.
0: Let me check. I would guess it's still higher than like Fawn Maker and Whoever Tyler Zeller also would come in instead of
1: him, though. Yeah, it's fifteen point seven for Henson and it's fourteen point two for Maker, but Zeller is only a twelve usage player, um, so maybe it's just enough of a drop off that it adds a little bit to everyone else. And then Malcolm Brogdon's out too, so I think that that adds a little more usage to all those Bucks guys.
0: Yeah, definitely because Brogdon is the uh, what is it, fourth highest usage. Well, I guess yeah, fourth highest usage player on the team. Really fifth highest because Parker's back now, except. Uh, Parker limited minutes. So it's kind of hard to think of him too much in that sense, just because he's only going to be playing 20 or so minutes.
1: Yeah. So that's the last piece that I think is difficult for this game because stacking the Hawks has been kind of tough, but with Deadman in the starting lineup, I think it's a little bit easier. There aren't quite as many guys playing minutes. Miles Plumlee is probably just out of the rotation. Um, So you can use Deadman, maybe Collins, Bazemore, Prince, Ilyasova and Schroeder. I think those guys are all fine maybe just use three or four of them in each lineup. Um, and then from the Bucks, I think what you're saying makes sense to go with two out of the three between Giannis Bledsoe and Middleton. Um, but would you include Jabari Parker for those game stacks or is he still restricted enough that there's maybe no chance that he would play extra minutes, even if the game went to overtime?
0: No, I mean, 20 minutes restriction. So there's just so little upside in somebody at 20 minutes, uh, I mean, I know that Kevon Looney tonight is at 10 fantasy points in three minutes so far, which is nice for us because that was a swing and a miss on a pick <laughs> that's going to work out anyway. But, yeah, for the most part, I just don't like to play guys who I know are not going to play a lot of minutes.
1: Yeah, I guess I was thinking of it similarly to D'Angelo Russell from the other day, where he was on the minutes restriction, but the game went into overtime and he just stayed in. Do you think the Bucks would let Parker play even in no, overtime? No,
0: definitely not. It's also it's also different because Jabari Parker is coming off his second ACL surgery, whereas D'Angelo Russell is coming off like a very minor arthroscopic, just cleaning out his knee.
1: Yeah, I would think that definitely makes sense that they'd be more cautious with Parker than the Nets are with Russell. Um, so the only other player that I'd include for game stacks then is probably Thonmaker, still starting at 3,700. Um, there There's some upside for him if he plays more minutes if he plays 30-plus minutes, I think he could be a good play. So for game stacks, I would include him. But he's more of a fringe play, I think, otherwise.
0: Well, here's why I would Here's why I would not think that Thonmaker plays 30-plus minutes. His last 2 starts, start—well, he did play actually 26 minutes last game. He played 22 the game before. Overall, as a starter this year, he's playing under 20 minutes per game and averaging 15.73 fantasy points per game. Yeah, so, it's not, not a lot. Yeah, it's— it's definitely not a lot. Uh, he scored over twenty fantasy points twice. One was a thirty-three point game that I think went to double overtime. The other was last game he scored twenty point seven five points. So I just think the upside is really limited in Thon. Uh, yeah, if the only situation where I think he would make sense is with a game stack, but even then I'm personally not going to roster him.
1: So before we move on to the next game, I just I think I'll mention that Giannis is probably one of my favorite guys to pay up for. It might even be my favorite guy to pay up for on this slate. Uh, I think he'd be second to Westbrook only if Westbrook is definitely in. Uh, so if we know Westbrook's playing, then I would pay up for Westbrook the most and then Giannis second. Um, how, do you, how do you rank Giannis
0: and Westbrook if Westbrook's not playing?
1: <laughs> I think I would go Giannis and then Westbrook. I think that would that would have to be the answer. I, I Good choice. Yeah, thanks. I, I think I got that one right. Um, no, but if Westbrook is questionable, then – it's Giannis over guys like Harden and Paul and even LeBron, and I think all those guys will be higher owned than Giannis, too. Um, so that's that could be the main reason that I like him, because a lot of those guys are probably similar outputs. Uh, it seems pretty clear Westbrook is the best guy to pay up for on the slate if he's in, but between all the other guys, I think that Giannis will be the lowest owned, and he might be the best play for his price anyway. So I, I'll have a lot of exposure to him, even in lineups that aren't game stacks.
0: All right, next game here is the Sacramento Kings at the Dallas Mavericks. From the Sacramento side of the game, I think that Willie Cauley-Stein, Zach Randolph, Bogdan Bogdanovich, and De'Aaron Fox are all fine plays. I think that this is uh, an overall pretty decent game to target. From the Dallas side of the game, we have uh, Dirk Nowitzki, J.J. Barea. were both held out of the last game, and they are expected to play. Oh, and Wes Matthews is out, and they're all expected to play for this game. So, I don't really think that makes anybody for the Dallas side a very strong play. J.J. Barea has started the last few games when he's been active. So, at 4,700, I think he's a good play if he's starting. And then I also like Harrison Barnes at 6,500. But nobody else do I think is worth uh, rostering.
1: Yeah, I think I'm with you. And I think there are just better spots. But I do like Colley Stein. This game maybe has some stack potential there's no Vegas line for it so it's kind of hard to say how close it should be I mean maybe there's blowout risk for the Mavericks because they're playing a team as bad as the Kings and the Mavs are pretty much fully healthy for this game which they haven't been for the last couple weeks so they've looked pretty bad but um, they might be a little bit better than we realize so I think I might stay away from stacking it especially with all the uncertainty with Sacramento but there are some guys from both teams that are at least somewhat intriguing uh,
0: okay, so last game on the slate and I was just really quickly looking to see if there was any news on the Spurs travel if they were going to bring Pau Gasol with them. The Spurs are playing on the tail end of a back-to-back. This is the last game for them before the All-Star break. They're playing in Denver, which because of the altitude is the most difficult place in the NBA to play the tail end of a back-to-back. I think that we're going to see rest games here. I think there's a very good chance that Tony Parker ends up sitting after playing tonight. I think Pau Gasol can end up sitting. I think Manu Ginobili can end up sitting. I think the safe plays here are DeJounte Murray, uh, Davis Bertans. But even so, outside of them, I don't really think that... I I think there could be other guys who are good plays. We just don't know right now. So if Gasol's out, then Bertans becomes an even stronger play. Joffrey Laverne probably starts because of Aldridge already being ruled out. So this is just going to be one of those things where we have to wait to see if we hear more information. I think the good thing is a lot of times we don't know with the Spurs ahead of time who's going to be resting or not but since this is a road game for them I think that there's a chance that B reporters could say like hey so-and-so didn't travel with the team and the other thing also is since this is the Spurs last game before the all-star break it's just a chance for them to give extended rest to veterans so I would just be really surprised if guys like Pau Gasol, Tony Parker, or Ginobili ended up playing uh, but just a guess on my end from the Denver side of the game uh, Jokic. Murray, Barton, Harris, those are the guys I usually like to roster from Denver. And this is a typically tough matchup against the Spurs, except it might not be as tough as we think of it as if the Spurs are already missing Aldridge and Leonard and they're going to be resting veterans. I think this could be an underratedly good spot for the Nuggets.
1: Well, if, um, if everyone plays for the Spurs, I think the Nuggets are still favored in this game. Um, the Spurs were just underdogs in Utah, with all of these guys healthy now it'll be the second half of a back-to-back so at the very least it should be limited minutes for the guys like Gasol and Parker and Ginobili that you mentioned Uh, Utah's probably a little bit better of a team than the Nuggets but the Nuggets are really good at home like I think Denver could be six or seven point favorites even if Gasol plays Uh, it could be a double digit spread actually if the Spurs are resting more guys and I think Dehante Murray also could potentially be a rest candidate because he is coming off that ankle injury where he missed a couple games. Um, so maybe they don't want to push him for the back-to-back. Do you think he might be a guy to consider as someone who's out?
0: Uh, no, I think I think he would play. The I mean, the ankle injury was really short-term injury. He's fine now. He played regular minutes tonight. I think Tony Parker is much more likely to rest than Murray.
1: Yeah, I guess they both could rest, but it definitely makes sense that Parker would be the first guy that wouldn't play. Um, So I actually sort of do view this game as a potential blowout spot for the Nuggets, no matter what. I don't think I wouldn't use Jokic because of it. Um, But I think I would be more inclined to use the Nuggets players that would at least see some or all of garbage time. So that would be Trey Lyles, I think, primarily. Um, I think he could play 25 to 30 minutes regardless, and he could play more than that if he's in for garbage time. Um, Will Barton, I think it's a little tough for him now because... Maybe Devin Harris cuts into his minutes a little bit, but I guess Barton might be fine. When he comes off the bench, he tends to stay in for garbage time too, but he's been starting some of the games. Um, But I think Devin Harris could be an interesting punt play. And then I guess with the Spurs, we'll just have to see who's in. Because I do agree with you. They probably will tell us in some capacity that certain players are either not traveling with the team or just give us advance notice on who's resting.
0: All right, so... That covers the slate. Uh, that's it for the podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at D F S, Matt's Twitter handle is at preaching sense, and we'll be back for tomorrow with the last slate before the All-Star break.